Ernest, what's up? Look, in the world of personal finance management, finding the right tool is crucial. If you've been relying on Mint to keep your personal finances in check, I got a mix of news for you. Mint is closing down. But here's a silver lining. Monarch Money is stepping up as the go-to financial app and users, including myself, are making the switch with a smile. Before Monarch, juggling my finances felt like navigating a stormy sea. Other apps either lacked features or were too cumbersome. Then came Monarch Money. Its ease of use, powerful features, and sleek design turned financial management from a chore into a breeze. The constant updates, well, that's the cherry on top. But what truly set it apart for me was its collaboration feature. Money matters constrain relationships, but Monarch brings peace to the table. The app's collaboration tools allowed my partner and I to seamlessly manage our finances together. We aligned on our budgets, tracked our cash flow, and even planned our future goals all in one place. Speaking of goals, be it saving for a down payment, your dream vacation, or your children's education, Monarch simplifies it all. It's no wonder the Wall Street Journal hailed it as the best budgeting app. This isn't just an app. It's the next generation of personal finance management, ad-free, intuitive, and always evolving with you in mind. Now look, Monarch isn't just another app. It's the all-in-one solution. From effortlessly importing your data from Mint to customizing your dashboard to your heart's content, Monarch respects your privacy with a strict no-ads, no-data-selling policy. This is financial management as it should be, focused on you. Look, after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Mondays. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Mondays for your extended 30-day free trial. All right, guys, Let's welcome go. back uh, live from the south of France. <laughs> <laughs> so you've noticed. Toby's home. Hey. I had the global phone. No Dame and Cam issues when we get back, though. That's, yeah, that's yeah. the only difference. That's, we we are really backpacking across We still, We still in Europe. We still in Europe, <laughs> uh, moving around, moving around the town. Yeah. Um, it's been a hell of a run, man. Uh, Patty, Italy. Uh where to next? You never know. You never know. You never know. Yeah, man. Somebody should keep a tab on it, like throw darts. Where will they be That'd next? Be great. Yeah. yeah that's, that's us. If you see us, that's us. That's one of the ones. <laughs> so we're not going to waste too much time. We're going to get right into it. I'll be very, very short because um, we want to squeeze a lot of information in a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. So um, Market Mondays, this has uh, been a hell of an experience. Thank you to everybody that came Thank to the show. So it was amazing. Mm -hmm. um, get your tickets. Oh, well, get on the waiting list for Ghana and for Chicago. Chicago. Get your tickets to InvestFest. Big episode of Earn Your Leisure tomorrow. We got my boy Simba. It's a good one. One of the, oh, one of the dopest lyricists in the game spinner. right now. Um, real, real and, and a really dope businessman as well. Yeah, yeah. Talked about you know the entrepreneurship journey and masters. His mom's in real estate. Dope conversation. So check yeah. that out. He's been on a hell of a press tour too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, all over and he, and he's super knowledgeable about athletics. Like I feel like we went to high school with Simba. Yeah, got you. Like that's how I feel when I talk to him. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like he, he grew up with us. Yeah, shout good, out Simba. Good yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Troy, disclaimer. Yeah, man, you know how this works. Do your own research. Our content is intended to be used and must be used for informational purposes only. It's very important that you do your own analysis before making any investment based on your own personal circumstances. You should take independent financial advice from a professional in connection with or independently research and verify any information that you find on our show and wish to rely upon, whether for the purpose of making an investment decision or otherwise. This is a message brought to you by the good brothers that are in your leisure and a good brother. 
Ian Dunlap, the master investor himself, continue to do the research, share the research. When there's great research, you know, give people the credit who you got it from. So love is love. Keep doing that. Ian, any announcements? Yeah, Stock Club Call will be Saturday at 3 p.m. Central. If I made you money, please put yes in chat. Yes, and yes, also, yes, yes, yes. Uh, shout out my guy Ty. His birthday. birthday? Yeah. We're oh, happy, birthday. Happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. in Egypt or something. So. Happy birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> All right. So let's get into this. So uh, what is an economic indicator that you look at to give you a hedge in the market? Oh, that's a good one. I look at um, M2 money supply. Ooh. So money supply isn't talked about enough, but it shows you like the flows of um, actually the actual money in the market in, in different sectors. So when I saw we had a dramatic dip mm -hmm. around October, November, I was like, okay, maybe spending this getting a little bit softer. We got to be careful not to put so much capital into the market. Um, and as this went up, it shows that the market is steadily going back up and there's a lot more safety. So like when you have technical indicators, like this 200 day moving average mm -hmm. of 72, when you're looking at an economic indicator, you can see the spending literally drop or go up. So in 2019, 2020, it was going up tremendously. And everything was on fire, fire, crypto, housing market, stocks, NFTs, real estate. But then as we had a halt, we saw that the market started to collapse as a result. So that's the economic indicator that I like to use to get a great gauge on the market. That's a good one. I was thinking about the technical ones for the average person who's listening, like a beginning, moving averages are good. Yeah. New highs, new lows. What do you think about CPI? I know every time you watch CPI is key. You watch CNBC or you watch any of these business shows, they talk about the importance of CPI, the consumer price index, yeah. how much we're spending, how much it costs for the things that we're spending as an economic factor to see yeah. where the money's going and is inflation coming down. It takes a lot of courage to do so because there could be a lot of losses there. But trading a CPI report, if you can get the move right, you can make a ton of money. Shout out to my guy P like two weeks ago. He caught a move and I want to tell, I mean, the dollar amount, but I mean, he probably caught like 120% gainer in one day and less than like 10, 15 minutes. So like once you know what the, the, the numbers are going to be, you can play them in your favor. You can definitely end up making a lot of money as a result. Trading has considerable risk. Absolutely. Please consult your advisor. I always say take 300 practice trades before you go live to mitigate any risk, but that that um, report is very key for sure. Non-farm payroll is another one that's important as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. So, um, like, percentage-wise, how much is that in percent with making a decision whether you should put money into the stock market or not? M2 money supply? Yeah. For me, probably 30 40%. Because it's a bigger macro indicator. Like, the, you have smaller reports that are key. But when I'm looking at, like, I would say top two would be, like, GDP, growth or decline, and then M2 money supply. That's a shorter-term um, indicator to look at, but it definitely has an impact on how the market is viewed. I would challenge everyone to go look at, like, a 10-year chart of the M2 money supply, see the ebbs and flows, and see when M2 money supply dips, does the market dip with it in correlation? And when it goes up, does the market go up in correlation? It's really fascinating to see those two pair together. Yeah. And I mean, if I'm a investor or I'm a trader, I'm just adding that tool to my belt. You have to. Right? So if I didn't know about the M2 money supply, I add that to looking at the CPI. I might mm -hmm. add that to looking at the unemployment data. Yep. So I get a, a pretty good synopsis of what the economy is looking like. Sometimes yeah. when you look at the charts and you're looking at, it doesn't give you a fair synopsis of what's really happening, right? Yeah. Especially over the past month or two months. And why months. it's moving. Right, yeah. we've seen like the top nine just push the market, push the market, push yeah. the market. It kind of feels like you know, the whole market is moving, but it's not. It's kind of like Kyrie's lay package. Like he can finish <laughs> with the left, finish with the right. Like the more tools you have in your yeah. bag, of course, interest rates are the most important. So if Absolutely. they hike rates, 
market is going to fall apart if they pause. That's a sign for like a little bit of optimism. If they cut rates too fast, that'll lead to deflation. But you want to have all these tools in your arsenal to have the real information that the banks, hedge funds are looking at and countries are looking at to make economic decisions. Yeah, and we, we saw a pause, not a freeze, but a pause. We didn't even yeah. have a conversation about that. What's your thoughts, though? Like, Thank it, God. <laughs> right? So it's like, do we slow down? And are people looking at it from a standpoint where it's like, okay, they're not going to raise rates again, even yeah. though they said that the, uh, another two quarters might happen yeah. throughout the course of the year. But that looks like it might be the ceiling for it. Yeah, I believe they're raised again. But the, the pausing of the interest rates hike was key. Because if they continue to raise... I think it would drain all optimism out of the market because because mm-hmm. uh, we would eventually end up with interest rates being like seven and, and a quarter percent. That would be too high. Like <laughs> even when I'm hearing some mortgage rates that people have now compared to just two years ago, I'm like, I, some people are paying double for the same house if they have like a six fifty credit score now. It is insane. So like those interest rates are very key. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that they did pause. Um, I can the rates is funny. <laughs> nah. Chuck can't run a mix. <laughs> it is what it is. The different pause. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about um Elon Musk stated that deflation is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, what is deflation and do you believe this will happen soon? So we talked a lot about inflation. So I, I you know, anybody that you probably can guess what deflation is if you don't yeah. know what deflation is, it's the opposite of inflation. But yeah. yeah, talk about deflation and if you think that that's coming soon. You wanna take it first? I'll, I'll, I'll lead off that. Yeah, deflation is just uh, advanced price declines. So inflation is when prices are going up. Deflation is advanced price declines. You really want everything to remain stable. Do I think it will come? I don't, I'm not sure yet, but I will say with all the information that Elon has and how focused he's been, mm-hmm. I'm sure he is seeing something. And I think the overall point that he's making, and I never will want uh pile seat by any chance i would never want that job but i think what elon is alluding to is like interest rates got hiked up a little bit too fast and what if they start cutting we'll have the inverse issue um and when we had too much money supply like everything the value of everything went up too fast and now they're trying to correct it and like it's the same thing when you're driving a car if you correct too quickly that is what can ultimately cause the accident so i think we just need to have things stable deflation maybe could come in maybe a year but i hope it doesn't yeah, this is the when we talk about having a soft landing. Yes. This is exactly what they're talking about, yeah. right? Like, we, we figured out that 0% interest rates don't work, no. right? But you, you raise them, and like you said, we could get up to, to 6% at, at, what, at a certain point. But where do we want to land, mm-hmm. right? And there's talks that, hey, we need to get it down to 2%. Well, if we're at 6 How do we get there <laughs> safely? How do we safely get down to 2 yeah. And so it becomes a fine balance. And, again, it sounds crazy, but, like, People are going to have to lose jobs. Yeah. Right. Because you got to have the unemployment rate go up, which yeah. is like for the average person, it's going to affect you. It is. Right. And so that's why you try to make this as soft as possible, quote unquote, the soft landing, so mm-hmm. that it's a steady process. It's stabilized to a point where it's like, all right, this isn't a harsh effect. Yeah. Right. We're just not going to turn this thing upside down, pause, but we're going to figure out a way to make sure that the economy stays stable. Right. People still can be employed. Yeah. And it doesn't go back to, all right, well, we raised it. We've got it lowered. This isn't working. We got to hike them again. Yeah, and I think it's really tough to have a soft landing without transparency. Like, they've been clear on what they want to do, but it doesn't seem confident in any of the decisions that they want to make. Like, one week it feels like we're going to raise rates for the next two years. Then the pushback isn't positive, and then they change tune a little bit. I think if they just honestly said, hey, here's what the plan is. We'll have a rough 18 months or two years. 
but for the next 10 years, this will be better. I think most business owners and governments could handle that. It's the indecision that really leads to a lot of the confusion. Yeah, a, part, the a part of it was, you know, even in, in 2022, when, you know, we saw that the rates were going to be raising throughout the next six to eight months, it was like, this is going to stop in March. Yeah. And here we are in June, and they're saying there might be two more. I feel like the market doesn't believe yes. what Powell's saying anymore. Right? There's not, like, that firm confidence. Like, yeah. uh, he's saying it. But if it you paused accurate. it, then why not just, you know, have the rate hike in June? Yeah. Why not have it in a few weeks here coming in July? Mm-hmm. Why not just have it consistently rather than pausing and saying, all right, we're seeing the numbers cool down to the, a pace that we like. All right, but we still have an option, right? I think yeah. he's just leaving it as a variable option. Just in the event that yeah. the numbers start peaking back to a point that is unsatisfactory to him. So it's like, all right, we'll raise it because I told you I would. And I don't think he's doing a bad job, but I think we all know in being a leader, you have to have a very clear and firm path on what you're going to, like, blaze a trail. And we've seen that with Alan Greenspan, a little bit with Bernanke. Um, I think we need that from him. But, I mean, it's one of the most difficult jobs on earth (laughs) to correct. And because ideally, zero interest rate environment is great for the short term, but it hurts us long term. And now he's in the driver's seat after all this exuberance has been rushing around for 15 years, and now you have to be the one to say, hey, no more fun, no more parties. Like, we're on financial punishment right now. That's a tough job to have. But the interesting part is that as those rates start to come down, Mm -hmm. what do you think, which type of companies benefit the most from that? Tech, for sure. Right, Uh, right. FinTech, uh, most finance companies that were, like, running thin on margin, those will come back. Maybe automotive will come back as a result. But who knows if it would be short-lived. Yeah, my first thought was the tech sector. It yeah. was like, all right, the, the price to do business obviously goes down. Infrastructure goes down. Logistics goes down. Yeah. That helps the economy, especially from the, you know, when we talk about what's leading it, Yeah, tech. And so those companies that we talk about, those top nines that we continuously, I know you say Apple and Microsoft, I I mean, that's a great benefit. And small cap, some of the Russell 2000 will go up. We'll go up. Yep, yep, yep. Too. Yeah. So let's talk about some stocks. Um, SoFi and Palantir. Are they underrated or overrated? Um, shout out to everyone at SoFi and Palantir. I appreciate you so much. For the audience, I'm learning. You have to be kind even if you aren't favorable of the stock. So my thoughts on these companies are just the stock, not the company, the people who work there. There you have it. SoFi, um, although it's been on a good run, I think it is slightly overrated. Only because of the amount of debt um, that they have and... They haven't made like a lot of the greatest investments over the last few years. I think they have a bunch of potential, but they haven't delivered. They're like Zion right now. Shout out to Zion. Shout out to Zion. Oh, yeah, bro. Yes. I heard you coming to Houston. That would be interesting. New York. New York is the, is the top place. Really? Yeah. I don't think he can handle that pressure. Well, RJ's there. You know, that's like his best friend. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Well played. Okay, we'll see. Um, and then Palantir, I don't want to say... It's definitely not overrated or under. The my only thing with Palantir is like the technology can be dangerous. The, my only thing, like that's a good word. Trade it if you want to, <laughs> but if you're like anti-investing in prisons, right? I don't know how you can invest in that technology long term and be and also be like pro-black or pro-brown for where the technology. Well, who's the CEO? I mean, CEO's amazing. I, he's one of the greatest in in that Silicon Valley space. Um, you know, the episode about about um, business to government is, is key that you guys just had. 
So he has a great relationship there on the government side, but it's like the actualization of Minority Report almost is like the epitome of that company. I think he's an amazing CEO. I've written one of my favorite books ever, but I wouldn't say that it's underrated or un underrated. I, I am concerned. I've always had concerns about the company, though. But I do think SoFi is overrated for sure. Uh, I think dangerous is a good word. Yes. Uh, when we were in Davos, Switzerland, and we went to a presentation or an office that Palantir had had, uh, and I got the chance to talk to some of the employees and executives that were there about what they've been working on. Mm -hmm. I mean, it fits in the AI space, uh, especially coming from a city like London. Yes. Where, you know, everybody's being watched at all times. Yep. Um, <laughs> and everybody's under surveillance. Yes. This is that times 10. That's real tech. Yeah. Like the technology that they have, yeah. if they can find a way to use it for good, right? Amazing. Like if they installed it in New York and find a way to like re reduce crime without profiling, it could be amazing. I'm just worried about the nefarious uses from certain institutions. Um, but when we talk real tech, real technology companies, yeah. they are in that conversation. I think the fear is, well, it, is it too big brother um, for the benefit of the people? Yeah, how many government contracts do they have? The part that is interesting is the surveillance part, the security, the AI, but it's also the data, data analytics that they collect yes. from the people and use that to their advantage to now market and protect, not really protect, but, well, could say protect protect yeah uh, the people um so it's interesting um is it too much power i i'm not sure i think we need to we need to be more aware of what they're aware, doing, the yeah. technology that because it can be dangerous but we've had to say the conversation about ai about how that can be dangerous yeah. in so many different ways um so i, I put palantir in that, in that category with skeptical optimism yeah i don't know if peter's the right face for it but if they had a friendlier face like a, a gates in the 90s who played like as if he was for the consumer it could go a little bit more fav favorably or a trusted female CEO. I think it could lead because you, you have to make the case for how it's going to help society as a whole. Mm -hmm. Technology is amazing. But when people don't know, when you talk, when you're talking tech of this scale, you're going to lead with a little bit more caution as well. So, but if they do turn that tide, they could be the one of the next, next biggest companies in the next decade. If they get a face that is more friendly to the public. So, 20, um, nearly 20 countries want to join BRICS, mm -hmm. right? Um, so All white BRICS. That's good. <laughs> Shout out to Jeezy. Who will be performing at InvestFest, ladies yes. and gentlemen, get your tickets. So um, how do we feel about this? Um, BRICS, I believe, is uh, Brazil, Russia, China, India. India, China, and South Africa, Yeah, right? And now 20 other companies want to countries, countries, countries yeah want to want to join the party um who are those countries do you know homework assignment right now what you guys are yeah. putting in chat i'll start rambling more <laughs> fast you who are some of these uh countries that want to join the alliance they're, they're smaller countries but um there's a difference between conspiracy theory and geopolitical fact so when we're looking at investments my number one thing is not to understand what the upside is for a stock or investment first is to know all the risks that come with it that could absolutely destroy it. Like I used to never want to hear defense wins championships. And then once you get into investing and trading and business, you realize defense is everything that leads to all the points. So I'm trying to construct like what could damage America's economy the most. And if this alliance gets big enough 
it can once again it could take 20 or 30 years for this to fully play out if we get another presidential candidate that has uh, a little better relationship with some of these countries maybe some of these things can be slowed down but this is a force that we have to deal with when we're looking at big macro events and black swan events because black swan events are things that you never plan for mm -hmm. you have mm -hmm. to plan for the unthinkable like i ask everyone like who's trading on discount on, on brokerages on futures normally the contracts are fifteen thousand on ninja trader you can get it for 500 what happens if thinkorswim or td buys all the discount brokers and you can't trade for discount prices anymore what are you gonna do money it comes with a lot of questions how do i save where should i invest can i build wealth to pass on it's hard to know where to get the answers. That's why the people at Fidelity do what they do. They make it easier for you to get information to make better money decisions. They've got articles and videos, tips and apps, and insights and perspectives that can make planning, saving, and investing less stressful. And when you wanna talk it through, there's a real person on the other end with real answers. Helping people is what they do. And as a part of their $250 million Invest in My Education initiative, Fidelity is supporting eligible students from underserved communities in the Boston, Dallas, Fort Worth, and Raleigh, Durham areas by combining scholarships with ongoing assistance, mentorship, and better paths to post-graduation employment. Want to learn more? Visit fidelity.com slash black wealth. Probably will never happen. We have to factor it in. Yeah. Like if YouTube gets mad and say, hey, we don't want you to put on any financial content. We got to go to Rumble or somewhere. Got to go to Viacom. We on kick. Hey, for real. <laughs> you, kick and you gave 100 million, boy. 100 million. So you have to always do disaster preparation. And this is the worst case scenario. Like I said, it may take 20 or 30 years for it to happen. But when you have 20 smaller countries that are willing to get into this alliance along with uh, Russia, India, Brazil together, and now like we talked about, Last week, like now, Xi Jinping and Bill Gates are now hanging out while he's making genetically modified mosquitoes to, to cure malaria. <laughs> like, like, what the hell is going on? Like, you yeah. have to wonder why are they meeting at this time and then publicly taking a photo together. Yeah, there are a few countries that have applied to, to join BRICS. We got Algeria, Argentina, Egypt, Iran, mm -hmm. Mexico. Mexico, right? Don't know say. Yeah. Saudi Arabia. And we, we, we talked about the Saudis, mm -hmm. uh, Turkey, and it says a number of other African countries. Yeah. Um, well, Saudi Arabia, definitely. That's, a big one. that's the first round draft pick. Uh, <laughs> sure. What they say, legacy, uh, talent, life, yeah. once in a lifetime draft pick. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, Saudi Arabia, for sure. <laughs> Mexico is interesting as well. Especially um, China relationship. What's the other country, yeah. sir? Uh, we have Algeria, Argentina, Egypt, Iran, Mexico, Saudi Arabia, Iran, Turkey. Iran's interesting. Mm -hmm. Turkey is a. I feel like Iran was knocking at the door as soon as they heard this. Um, well, you look at BRICS. So you know, you look at BRICS. So it's it's um concerning for yes. America for sure. So Brazil, the largest country in South America, yes, with the biggest economy in South America or the continent of South America. Then you have India. Mm -hmm. which is the largest, largest country in Asia and the second highest population soon to be the highest population of people in the world. In the world yeah. yeah. You have China, which is the highest population of people in the world, mm -hmm. the second largest economy in the world. Um, actually China is the biggest country in Asia. So you have the two biggest countries in Asia, China and India. India yep. um, South Africa, which is the largest economy, economy for sure. Yeah. In Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just throw in Russia. 
and Egypt, who isn't even want to be considered African. So that Iran. That, so that so that really is just isolating every Europe and America is isolating everything outside of that. Especially then, even if um, Mexico wants to be involved in it, that's North America. Yeah. So um, it's really just saying, okay, the United States and Europe, we just gonna work around you and isolate you guys. They're building an international dream team against us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. this one. Yeah. We're not even participating in the draft. Oh man, it's all over league. If we got a call from YouTube and they're like, "Hey, Brazil, Russia, India, China." <laughs> Are all upset at you guys, and they're going to wait. What will we do? Pray. See, who's your first call? What country is your first call? I'm calling God, dear <laughs> Heavenly Father, Jesus of Nazareth. Please tell me, Lord. Please forgive me for my sins. I'm gonna be better. I don't know. I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah, I, that's why you have to be very careful in your geopolitical policies on how you treat others, and also the left and right fighting so much has taken our eyes off what the real goal is and who the real enemies are. When you wage war like this for 50 years, left and right really is attached to the same bird. You really, it's like WWE, like Macho Man and Hulk Hogan may be mad at each other on screen. Behind the scenes, Vince McMahon is like really winning. We took our eyes off who the real enemies were, and as a result, we are paying for it. Remember they fought over Elizabeth? Oh, yeah. That was a real situation. That was, a, that was tough. That was, <laughs> that was a real situation. Yeah. I'm just thinking from a, a standpoint of allies, right? Like, if you break it down from a continental standpoint, like Shadi just did, mm -hmm. the U.S. obviously Europe is is still in play, but who are the countries? Is it is it it's the U.K. It's Germany. Switzerland. Who else are you calling? Switzerland. They're gonna remain Australia. neutral. France. France, right? Like, yeah. I mean, the European the European Union of Germany, uh, France. Um, the United Kingdom, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Japan has been an ally. Um, yeah. After that. You got to start calling him Putin. Baby, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. You got to do that breakup speech. Keep Canada involved. I'm so sorry right? that we've acted this way. What can we do to fix this? You keep you keep Canada. Let's mm -hmm. say we, we'll, we'll get Canada, but I don't know. Yeah. And we're not fear-mongering. But if you don't think that Dave Rubenstein and Bill Gurley are not thinking about this in real time, like if our markets got turned upside down over COVID and over a correction because we are in an earnings recession, what do you think yeah. the pact could? You have to plan. It's, it's less than fear marketing, right? Yeah. When we look at, and maybe people don't pay attention to about the executives that leave from the White House, the Treasury Secretary, yep. the Secretary of Defense, they're going to China. They've been in China over the past two months. Absolutely. They've taken trips there. Despite the balloon scandal mm. and despite mm -hmm. the, the planes that are flying near them yeah. uh, while they're like uh, hovering over Taiwan, they're still going because they know how important this is. Absolutely. I, I think we really need to figure out, like, this is a real situation. We need to take heed to, like, the level of importance of it. Absolutely. I mean, this is so important and so big that they are announcing that UFOs are real and no one cares. You saw that. Shout to Billy Carson. <laughs> the you saw that? Yes. I looked at the video five times. I didn't. I, I couldn't find anything. Me either. Okay. They said about the tractor. The crop circle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked yeah. at the tractor. I, I've I, seen I, the signs too many times. Anybody can do that. <laughs> 3D printed on your grass. <laughs> but other life is out there. 10 feet tall. Yes. Yeah, so maybe we can call the aliens for some backup. We need some help. 
Yeah. The Monstars. <laughs> it's needed bad. And a special Space Jam juice. Real bad. That is a fact. Yeah. Well, well, monitor the situation. Yes, that's all we can do. Um, Let's do this. We haven't talked about this in a while. What is your top book for 2023? What is some Ooh. literature that people should be reading to educate themselves? Um, Going back to Peter, a Zero to One is one of my favorite books. Um, It, it was printed a few years ago. But it's one of those books that is a classic book recommendation written by a real entrepreneur who has like built and funded some great businesses. Even though I'm not like the biggest fan of Palantir, you cannot argue with the track record of him and that book. Um, so Zero to One is like one of my absolute favorites that I think everyone should read for 2023 to be able to get an edge and get a big macro picture on like how to build a business. And also some of those formative chapters in Zero to One like helps you understand how like a Facebook gets created, Instagram gets created, TikTok, and if you're an entrepreneur, it'll give you like a little roadmap to how to build a company that will change the world. So zero to one is one of my favorite recommendations for sure. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, I bought two books over the past month. Uh, the first was T.D. Jakes, Disruptive okay. Thinking. Okay. Um, just because I don't know, we were kind of we did the Disruptive Summit with Black Enterprise. Shout out to them again, Stephen yeah. Hill. But it was like looking at it as a negative connotation and kind of realizing that it's not because from disruption comes innovation, mm -hmm. which leads to opportunity, which leads to access to different relationships. Mm -hmm. um, so disruptive thinking was one. And then I just got this new one uh, and I wrote uh, Chaos Kings. Okay, who's that by? Um, I'm t let me tell you what it's about. Okay, tell me. Um, so it's crazy. You brought up Black Swan. Okay. Right? And so a Black Swan event. So uh, this the, the book is about how Wall Street traders make billions in the new age of crisis. And it kind of oh, talks about Black Swan events, yeah. 2008 for sure. And then it kind of covers like the, the pandemic itself. And trying to figure out whether people could have predicted that happening. One person did. Right. Yeah. And then how people took advantage of it. So it talks about Ackerman and, mm -hmm. you know, his his legendary press conference on CNBC and finding out that he shortened the market. Yeah. It made million. Well, billions. billions. I think it was three point six billion. Yeah. Um, so it goes into that. And I think it's kind of it's, it's two authors. Um, I'll get the names for them, but they kind of go back and forth with their points of trying to figure out is it predictable one? And mm -hmm. then if it is predictable, how do we predict it? And how can we prepare for the next one? Oh man, I got to get that because one. Because yeah, what we we know that, and this is crazy. Like every fifteen to twenty years, there will be an event. Absolutely. So if we know it's going to happen, mm -hmm. how do we get ready? And which where should we be looking for it to happen in? Yeah. Right. So a pandemic, somebody could have predicted that. Yeah. The housing crisis. It was a few definitely that predicted that. There was yeah. A few, there was a, a, a few publicists and a few writers who were right printing articles weekly about it yeah. and then it happened so it's an interesting it's a, I haven't finished the book yet but I just started reading it on on the, on the plane right over that's an amazing recommendation yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll get you the author in two seconds you got one yeah the all-time like bible for people that are just wanting to just learn about stocks for the first time of course you should watch market Mondays but sometimes people need to have entry level how to make money in stocks by William O'Neill oh that's a great book I think that that explains yeah, that's a classic explains the stock market index funds investing at a very easy digestible yeah. level and um you know a lot of the information that we give is more of a high level and i don't want people to get discouraged so the my book recommendation i want to be on the beginning level yeah so how to make money in stocks by william O'Neill. it was written a long time ago they keep doing revisions to it but the general principles still remain 
Yeah, relevant. that's a timeless book. Yeah. Yeah, that's a timeless book. Yeah. And going back to Black Swan events, like homework assignment, go, what were the last 10 Black Swan events that happened and put in chat what you think the next two could be. Even with COVID, I forgot the lady's name, but she did an episode on Joe Rogan's podcast a year before, and she was talking about corona, well, coronavirus and COVID. Mm. And it was fascinating to hear it, but after the news began to, to come out, it was like, damn, she really studied disease policy and bird flu and SARS and predicted within the time frame. It's like, because if you can chart anything, you can put a predictive model behind it. Also, too, it would be interesting if you guys extrapolated that data of when it happened, put it in chat GPT, have it put it for you on a table on an Excel sheet and see if you can come up with your own thesis. For those of you on Sniper, I will look at that 72 period moving average and see if it can give you a timetable as well for when the next one could come. Because if you're not prepared, it sucks for me in 2008 to not know how to take advantage of this fully, but to know how to take advantage of it. Now, I hate to say it, but if a crash happens, I am like elated also there's many black swan events on the trading side as well the moves are not as big but like cpi report non-farm payroll if you have like any divergence in like uh pricing amongst currencies there's some trades you can do there the bond market has been falling apart since august of 2020 you never thought that would happen but it's been amazing to be able to ride ub and zb down so plan out what the black swan events could be because that can change your life. Like, I, I can honestly say if it wasn't for COVID, I don't know if the opportunity for me to do the show with y'all would have been there. It was a need at the time mm -hmm. to go live and say, okay, reporting live. No, don't touch Carnival Cruise Lines at this price. Wait until this price. So that's when the biggest economic shifts happen is when those Black Swan events do happen. That's great. You're right. And you brought up the cruise ships. Yep. I'm not sure if people are watching, but they've rebounded. They, they have. They have rebounded. They have. Slowly. You got to put the capital somewhere. Yeah, that, so, but in during the pandemic, just real quick, I just want to get the, the title uh, of the author is uh, Scott Patterson, yeah. Chaos Kings by Scott Patterson. So during the pandemic, um, airlines and cruise ships were down, mm -hmm. and um, a lot of people said it's not a good idea to invest in cruise ships or airlines. One of the main ones. Yeah. How do you feel about that now? I feel it. Well, it's if you have the different, like if I can pick between LeBron. And I can't name anyone else. But let's say he was someone, because I'm going to get an email from his cousin or something I've learned. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but if I have a chance between a first-round draft pick and a, and a second-round draft pick or someone who's played in the G League, I'm going to go with LeBron every time. Apple, Tesla, Microsoft, NVIDIA, AMD has outperformed, so you really haven't missed out per se. Now, if you have no more money, or let's say in terms of like allocation of portfolio, you're over index in tech or industrials or you have enough money indexes and you want to go to like a third or fourth option maybe you can look at a cruise line or something if you just want to play i personally will <laughs> never touch any company where there's an engine involved in the company now, i like nice cars i love traveling but it's not a primary investment vehicle for me because of the cost expenditures are normally too high so never invest in a company with an engine I wouldn't. So I wouldn't. No, no car companies outside well, of electric car companies. Outside of Tesla. And if Elon leaves that post, I probably won't be pro-Tesla. Yeah. A lot of the alpha that's produced in Tesla is because of him being there. Like if, I don't know, uh, John Mulally from Ford was the CEO of Tesla, would most of us care about it? Probably not. No. And sometimes like the entrepreneur, 
will drive the value, like kind of like Puff everywhere, like Diddy has went, he's increased value because of him. Bad Boy is not the same if he leaves, no matter, shout out to all the other executives that have been there. Love records. But if he's not there, it does have an impact. So I'm not the biggest fan of United Delta Carnival Cruise Lines as a stock. Yeah. Um, but kudos to everyone who works there. I think corporate. we spoke about this maybe two months ago, but the, the crew, uh, we, we figured like people would travel again. Absolutely. And they're back on cruises um, and people are going back to shows. Mm-hmm. Live Nation is one of those those companies that I was like, look, I remember it was down at $39. I'm like, I know it, it's down, but yeah. people are going to eventually be back outside. Yeah. And we're starting to see, and Ticketmaster's going through, you know, their battles with, with the SEC right now. Yeah. But they're having record numbers uh, in, in terms of concert sales. Yeah, the difference sales. between Live Nation, I think, and maybe a Carnival, Carnival Cruise Lines is margin. Yeah. That's so here's the interesting difference. part yeah. with the, the cruise lines. And we talked about it, like I said, but Royal Caribbean is not just a cruise play anymore. Yeah. Right? Because one of the things that they've done that's kind of separated them from some of their competition is they've done the real estate play. Yep. Right? And so now when they go to a specific island, they get the beach and it now turns into a resort. And so now you're not docking just to dock and go off to a hotel. You're docking to a private location that, that they own and it adds more incentives. So now you put a hotel there, now you put bars there. Now it's just not the ticket to go on the cruise and the things that come along with it, but you're actually gonna make more revenue from the people that now dock. Some people stay for two or three days at yep. a location and they're spending money inside of your location. So now the real estate on the water is one thing, but now they're getting the real estate on the land from where they're going because these cruise ships go Every week they're going somewhere and yeah. they stop somewhere every day rather than just saying, all right, whatever country we're in or, you know, whatever city we're docking in, let the city have all the revenue. No, we're going to have our real estate here. We'll build on it and we'll take some more revenue. Yeah, which I think is smart. And also, too, like, it's really important to know when to invest. So I've talked somewhat about super cycles. I think at some point I showed you all like the video yesterday. I can't wait to. You got got a special surprise soon. We'll talk about super cycles soon. Can't do what we do. Mm, Can't (laughs) wait. Shout out to the team. Um, I've talked about the Benner cycle of knowing when to invest. I think uh, the cruise lines in 2020 were indicative of, like, a good time to invest if you were going to hold for a long period of time and maybe if you were in the industry or you were too afraid to invest in tech. I think Royal Caribbean went from, like, 29 bucks. It's currently, like, at 108. But, like, if you look at Apple... Since 2020, Tesla is outperformed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But knowing when to invest in those large mm-hmm. periods, like those drawdowns of 99, 2001, 2007, 2008, that's almost more important than sector. But if you look at what has been performing best, like tech by far has been outperformed. Like I, I don't even hear any analysts being extremely excited about placing capital there. Like a lot of money just went there because everything else was too top heavy. Mm-hmm. You're not going to buy Apple at an all-time high Microsoft. So capital at some point has to go elsewhere. Um, but yeah, if Royal ever got back down to like 28 bucks or like 25 bucks and I can hold it to 150 over a five-year period, maybe. Yeah, I think it'll cause innovation, right? Once I watch my competitors doing it and it's working, the next thing is, all right, well, I don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, it's an opportunity for us to make. I'm gonna play to the crowd real quick. Would you rather invest in Royal Caribbean or XRP or Bitcoin? Shout out to the crypto enthusiasts, right? Now I'm gonna come to you guys. If you <laughs> have to pick between Ethereum, Royal Caribbean, Bitcoin, Royal Caribbean, because at the end of the day, it's about picking the best players for your portfolio and knowing who's going to give you the best return on your dollar with, with the least amount of stress. I would imagine that the audience is going to say Bitcoin. I believe so. That would be right. Now, I haven't seen something with a better return. Never. <laughs> <laughs> Keyword. So let's talk about Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Um, 
You want to fit your favorite company outside of Apple? Microsoft sudden AI dominance is changing Silicon Valley's power structure. Yeah. What are two big lessons to take away from this and how can we apply it to the companies we invest in? So we know Microsoft has some ownership in ChatGPT. Yeah, 49% I believe. So, so yeah, what's the deal? One, um, I want to make an index of CEOs that are silent, that are making more than two, $300 million a year. Because I think there's a higher return on investment amongst the CEOs that are quiet versus the ones that are in press on Twitter, on social media all the time. Meanwhile, when Apple was stole the consumer landscape by a landslide, they changed the face of Silicon Valley over the last five years by like arguably ChatGPT and OpenAI is the most important company since the probably the internet. And they own 49% of it. That's what, even in 2020, I'm like, the companies with the biggest bag are going to wait with capital on the side and wait to deploy it to the right thing. And they, this is the greatest grab of all time. Like, if you can combine Kareem, Jordan, LeBron into one player, Chat GPT is that. Yeah, we got to put, maybe we put out a top five acquisitions. Of all, like, a steal. And meanwhile, no one was upset Bernie Sanders did not get upset and say, hey, let's take them to Congress and say that, like, how are they trying to block the Activision deal, but they let this deal go through? You worried about some damn games and they <laughs> stole the next internet engine? Great. Go ahead, block Activision. Let me have the, this part of the digital world. Now, everyone who's raising capital, you're trying to raise more capital to compete against the thing that Microsoft owns and the CEO is being completely quiet. Here's a, here's a question. So this is true because it did happen kind of quietly. Yes. Nobody was up in arms. How much of it do you think was because of a lack of awareness of what AI actually is from the people in government? No, they know. Yeah, they, they, yeah. Go you got to understand. The government gets briefed. Like they have. There's a reason why. There's a reason why all those senators sold their stocks two months before Corona went crazy. They get briefings that general public are not privy to. Mm -hmm. So they've been educated on artificial intelligence for years. Ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're 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 extremely aware of artificial intelligence. They know a lot more about artificial intelligence than we know. They probably know a lot more than even a lot of business heads know. The time has come, ladies and gentlemen. InvestFest, that's right. That's right. InvestFest 2023 is here. August 25th, 26th, and 27th in Atlanta, Georgia. We are taking it to a new level. Bigger than ever. This year, we're going to do 20,000 people in Atlanta, Georgia. I want you to do yourself a favor. Head over to InvestFest.com right now. We will have activations from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Three days, musical performances, billionaires. Everything is going to be a completely life-changing experience. Vendor Marketplace, Food Truck Village, you know how we do. Don't wait, don't hesitate, head over now. So, definitely, they're, they're educated on it. Yeah, 1,000%. I, I think most people didn't think that this company and this product would be this powerful because everyone had ai iterations in 2016 even when uh like 3d printing became like a big thing there was some talks of using 3d printing with ai matterport has like mapped out all the landscapes of hotels and buildings and stuff like that and there was supposed to be some ai push there and most of the ai projects floundered or flopped and then phoenix came rising and they grabbed the right one 
And I think it's the steal of the year. And, and number two, the point behind that is like to stay extremely focused on to the next thing that is going to have the greatest impact on the world. All right. I I, I mean, there's, it's kind of a rhetorical question. I know you guys are going to say that, but here's here's the follow-up to it. On top of awareness mm-hmm. is understanding use case. Yep. Right? So do you think they understood the level of use case? Because you government. figure at, well, government politicians, yeah. you figure after they signed a deal with Microsoft, mm-hmm. Then they get called, right? So you look at the, the CEO of opening eye, now he's having a congressional hearing. That hadn't happened six months, twelve months yeah, prior that's to that never moment. Happened. Right. So I am looking at the timing of the two. Once they realize, okay, we understand what it is, and like you said, they do get briefed, but how often are they paying attention to everything? I mean, you get briefed on a lot of things, yeah. right? But you may not understand the severity or the, the level of importance, and maybe they do when it's I don't think anyone you. knew how important it was, probably with the exception of Sam. And probably Elon. But I don't know because, like I said, I, come on, let's talk. Like I said, to, I, I'm like I said, I want opinions on this. Once I said, once I started using it, that's why I said two weeks ago. I said this thing is big. Yeah, yeah I was, it's going to change the world. Please use it. And when we was in Davos, Davos yeah. nobody was talking about crypto. Everybody was talking about Chat GBT, and yeah. every everybody was talking about artificial intelligence. They were talking about having um, artificial intelligence on a board um, of a corporation. Mm-hmm. Every single person was talking about artificial intelligence. Yeah. These are the leaders of the free world. These are the most powerful people in the world. So I think that they might not have known that chat GBT, because like you said, there's a lot of different artificial yeah. intelligence. Even now, there's a lot of different art. Yeah. It's like a lot of social media apps. Nobody knew when Facebook brought Instagram for a billion dollars. No one knew. They were like, it, it, it had no, it oh, had, absolutely. It had no, absolutely. it had no revenue. People thought it was a bad idea. When um, Google brought YouTube, Mm-hmm. For how that much? Eight hundred million, something like that. That was it was one point one point two, maybe maybe one point seven yeah, billion, something like that. Okay, but whatever they I got mean, it. Forget for, about what it's worth. Nobody, now. nobody had the foresight because it would have been a bidding war. Like if yeah. people knew the value of Instagram, Facebook wouldn't have gotten it for a billion. Right. So, but they still understood social media. They just didn't know like that was going to be the one product. I, so I guess that's what I'm saying. I think right? everybody understands the power of artificial intelligence. They might not have known that chat GBT was going to just, you know, revolutionize the whole thing. That's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to predict that. Yeah. Like, it's like we know that basketball is here to stay. Yeah. We might not know that Giannis is going to be who he is. Yeah. We didn't know Steph Curry or yeah. he would have been the number one draft pick. Yeah. Like, you right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm aware of it, but I don't I didn't I'm not aware of the use cases. Yeah. I don't think the actual capabilities. I didn't, we're not looking like, oh, a chat GBT can do this. Oh, now, Sam Oman, you need to come sit in front of us and explain well, this even to if us. Because there's a lot of things. ChatGPT is probably not even the most efficient app. There's probably apps that actually work better. Mm-hmm. It's not always about the best. Sometimes it's marketing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just awareness. It just catches up. It's like it's a variety of different things that happen in business to make something popular. Yeah. Not always the best talent doesn't always. You know what I'm saying? I like agree. So I don't know what made ChatGPT hit its stride. Um, it's I think it was a combination of a variety of different yeah, things. Yeah. But... Like going back I, I to think, the I think the big thing that hits the stride is Microsoft's acquisition. I, that, before, but before Microsoft, before they had, had a buzz. After it's like Drake, like it's like Fifty Cent. Fifty Cent had a buzz in the yeah. street before he signed, and, and, and now they just put him on steroids. But yeah. he was already bubbling in the yeah. street. Like ChatGPT was already an underground. I mean, right. I mean th- think of it like this. Right. I, I love Sam. Like let's talk about Sam's history. Another quiet killer. 
Elon provides some funding to it. So you have another great CEO there. Their board is early, 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 early on. So he saw it. Yes. Right. Now, Sam is responsible in part for allowing startups to get funding. He's seeing all the best ideas in the world. Mm -hmm. ChatGPT kind of became an amalgamation, a best of those. So now you have the, some of the best entrepreneurs funding, being behind it, and then you're skating to what is next. The, the next breakthrough was, okay, we have tools to do the task, but we don't have a tool to do the task for us. Mm -hmm. That's clearly like with DoorDash and all the delivery systems, we're trying to get closer to that Jetsons thing. They're the first <laughs> company to actually do it. But yeah, the, the insight, like if I got a chance to see four or 500,000 traders make mistakes, it would give me an edge in the market. He got a chance to see all the biggest mistakes and big, biggest successes of the last 10, 15 years and say, this is the gap that is missing. Yeah. Let me fill it. And the key was well, no one's going to get the technology to work. And guess what? They got the technology to work. And, and they, now it's like everybody in the world has to adjust. And now they have funding. Yes. The biggest funding of all time. Even let's, let's look at Expedia. If we say we want to go from here to New York, we may have a conversation back and forth with us, AB. Imagine if we can just go on Expedia and say, and they book everything for us with the most, with the shortest flights, best stay, best travel. How much more will we be on that site? That's what they're literally doing now. Mm -hmm. And my thing is like going back to Meta, Facebook, they stole Instagram for a billion. If ChatGPT continues on this ride and they don't have any misses over the next four years and we haven't even got into acquisitions, they could be four or five times bigger than Meta. Yeah. That's scary to think what about. Who could be bigger than Meta? Uh, OpenAI. In what regard? In terms of market cap. I'm just saying how. Like, what, what's because? Because with social media, um, like, great acquisition. And, that, like, Mark Zuckerberg right now, same with Eli. Focus is ever. Like, I'm in a little broadcast channel. It's a return. Got it's a return. He is cooking. A return. But if we're automating all these tasks, imagine if they made a chat GPT on the enterprise side just for software, just for healthcare, for automotive, and they have all these derivatives. Now you have to pay a license for them. And what if they get an override on some of the productivity increases? Like, there's a lot that they can do to end up being the most dominant company of this generation. And I said at InvestFest last year, like, there's usually one company that dominates a generation. This probably will be it. And Microsoft was in early, like, hey, bro. Yeah, you work yeah. with us. Yeah, I just, it doesn't have any sector exclusivity. At all. And they have the funding. Like, if you make a competitor to them right now, where are you going to get the funding for the, from the chips? Your only alternative for Google now has BART. Acquire you. And because of Congress not allowing any companies to have any really big acquisitions, all the big players now have to build that thing inside of their own company. Mm -hmm. So if you build a company up in four or five years, they can't buy you out for $50 billion anymore. It's going to take time. I look yeah. at ChatGPT is more comparable to Google than Meta because Meta is a, a social app whether it's Facebook or whether it's mm -hmm. Instagram, where people communicate with each other and marketers go on and sell products with things like But, like, you know how Google is pretty much in everything. Like, yeah. it's in your phone. Yeah, I'm just comparing like, the speed of growth, not the... Second. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I feel like that chat GBT is going to be, like, integrated in a variety of different things. Like, I it's agree. integrated in, in the Mercedes-Benz. It'll be integrated in cars soon. Yeah. It'll be integrated probably in everybody's phone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. as some, like, it's an optional app at this point, but now pretty soon it'll be just, like, part yeah. of your actual yeah, it should be home. Be in your home. It'll be yeah. um, implemented in, you know, the healthcare system. And yeah. So it'll just, it'll just be infused 
yeah. with day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. It'll be interesting to see how how Microsoft as a company. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll see, you know, like I said, there are competitors. Bart. Bart is um, So we'll see if, you know, MySpace didn't last. So mm-hmm. just first to market. Tom got away with a win, though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Todd, yeah, Todd, yeah, Todd yeah, legend. Todd legend. Yeah. Where is he at? Where is Todd? That's what I'm saying. Did anybody ever find him? Leisure has been earned. <laughs> you on his leisure? Todd Boy. legend. Yeah. Todd legend. Oh, we, the the chat GBT thing is, is interesting. I saw somebody, I think it might have been on like Good Morning America or something, and it was like uh, create a recipe with chat GBT. Yeah. And it, you just, they were like, uh, take the things out of my cabinet, and they just said it. And it became like four different recipes mm-hmm. from the things that you just randomly put. Yeah. Like, think about what that does when you're in your home. Like, yo, you're in your car. Tell them, like, yo, this is what I got. By the time you get to the crib, yeah. these are the things you can make with it. It's- in a fantasy football world where <laughs> this is this is just a hypothetical question. Yeah, that's a great question. How how much can Microsoft really benefit? Let's say ChatGPT goes crazy and becomes mm-hmm. as big as Google. And, like, does it in, a, in an alternative reality, does this have an opportunity to make Microsoft bigger than Apple? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially if Tim, when he eventually retires, because I think he'll do glasses. Because even like the vision is an extension of Steve Jobs' iPhone vision. He talked about it at the 2007 conference with Walter Isaacson, I believe. Um, you guys can, well, he was in a red chair when him and Gates had that, that conversation. Um, but so I think Tim, if he does something in car and, and healthcare, he'll probably ride off into the sunset in about 10 years. Mm-hmm. But as a result, this could, and honestly, Microsoft is just really taking back the pole position it shouldn't have from all the years that Barmer messed up. There would be no Apple and all, like when people are like, oh, you're biased. I'm like, no. Historically, from the time I was, uh, my grandmother got rest of soul, my grandma Rose had an Apple II. Like 1994, I was writing all Johnny Blaze Method Man lyrics from Tikal in that computer, right? Tikal. And then after that, I was all Windows. I think, for me, I always liked Windows a lot more, so I'm not biased, but Balmer almost destroyed that company. You had 10 years of no growth and no innovation, so now with a better CEO, they're really just kept catching up to where, like, imagine if Satya had been the CEO since Gates left in, in 2000. Where would they be? There would be no Apple. It'll be over with. So, but invest in the top two, Apple <laughs> and Microsoft. VOO and VTI on the Vanguard side for the indexes, but yeah, this this can definitely have a huge and it saves Microsoft's next 10, 15 year plan. All right. So let's get into some trading talk, shall we? Yes. Um, so what are some of the key indicators or patterns that you find particularly valuable in your trading strategy? Man, Ty's not here, but he's <laughs> here with me in spirit. Um of course, I'll look at 72-day moving average of 200 to get a overall direction. Um, I'm going to look at. I'm going to tell you guys to look at the the open, the low, and the close of the day mm. to give you an idea for what the range for the day could be. So let's say you're trading on a Thursday. If you have the open, low, and the close plotted out on your charts, it'll give you a range for where the market could go. So if I'm shorting. I probably short from a moving average down to the low of the previous day, or if I'm going long, I will go long to the previous high of that next day. You want to keep the same targets, but let's say news comes out, the news is incredibly mm-hmm. positive. Let's say you're trading Bitcoin futures, and, and all of a sudden Biden says, hey, I think crypto is going to be 
the next wave of the digital dollar and it, it can't be stopped. Of course, Bitcoin is going to go through the roof. I probably, if I was going to have a shorter target, would move it to the high of the previous day so I can get more upside and get more asymmetric risk on my side that way. Those are all great. Uh, moving average for sure. 20-day, uh, 50-day, 100-day, 200-day moving averages. I also would look at the six-month. I look at the one-year. I look at the year-to-date. Yeah. Um, look at the five-year. Sometimes I'll go out to 10-year just yeah. to see, like, what overall I want to really get the real scale of it. Um, I love looking at the volume. Volume is key. Volume is key. Um, and then I know you hate your RSI, but I, I look at it just to see uh, whether something's being overbought or over. Okay. I don't, I know, I not don't that you don't hate it. it. Let's give it to you. Don't, you don't let's use not, it. Let's not bash. Let's uplift. Okay. If you're going to use RSI, you should use 95.5 opposed to 70.30 or 80.20. I go 80.20. Okay. I go 80.20. Yeah. 95.5 is crazy. But <laughs> that's super You, you want to invest at super the sick. extreme. Yes, yes. Because most sick. people... Usually get into a move too early or too late. Like, just think about all the guys you met that want to do podcasts. If they started in 2017, the 95. community was not there it. yet. It. If they started this year, it's too late. Yeah. Unless you are doing something incredibly unique, a lot of it is about timing. So if you use a 95.5, also, too, if you're using uh, Fibonacci retracements and you put your Fibonacci retracements over RSI, they'll give you a better lead in. I yeah. do this for and then the last talking you too. <laughs> the last thing, and I used it early on. I still use it now. Is Bollinger Bands? Got you. Um, I just like to see the deviation of you know has it come out of its level of performance or is it yeah. underperforming? Um, so a combination of all those things. Yeah. Um, but I don't trade as much, right? Like I, I'm more invest in anything. So if I'm doing fewer something, trades is a better investment. I'm doing a, a lot fewer. So I'm looking at it. I'm doing all those for a company. Mm -hmm. I make the investment, and then that's it. If I can be super honest and transparent, well, I always say, like, I love trading less. When I hear a person be like, yeah, I took 300 trades, I'm like, man, I'm kicking your ass, yo. <laughs> like, imagine just being, like, Ray Allen at the heat, knowing you can take 15 shots, 20 shots a game, but you really need six or seven key shots to shift a game. A lot of it is, like, trade selection, because if you're trading at a high enough, and I tell people this all the time, like if you're trading at a high enough clip and you only take one or two trades a week, yeah. you should win 80%. I'll fund you. If you're doing 300 trades, just, I mean, the amount of like work you'd have to do to make sure that you're efficient in that, it, that's like more than a full-time job. Absolutely. Without proper trade portfolio construction, tile stop. Like you have to know where your edge and your alpha is going to come from. And if you're not, and I know people like with algorithm trades thousands of times per day, I'm like, yeah, but you also don't know for most hedge funds what the returns are on those thousands of trades. That's an older strategy as well. If you, Even if you look at for most people that trade futures and trading size, they're looking to get a few good trades. Off. Even on the option side, you don't see many people saying, yo, I fired off 30 option trades this <laughs> quarter. That's it does not happen because futures and options are traded on the same exchange. So the big boys, like when we went down to Wall Street, I, he, I was trying to pry every bit of information. I'm like, how many trades you have the traders upstairs trading? He's like, I don't know, two or three a week. What's the return? Um, seven, eight hundred percent a quarter. I'm like, Jesus Christ, what? Glowing. Yeah. Less is more because everyone that's an experience is taking all the shots. A great trader is going to wait for the mm -hmm. right one, and then you have to put a lot of capital into the trades that you have conviction on. Yeah, that's nearly two trades a day. Yeah. There's 252 trading days in a year. So yeah, I mean. Is it it's possible tough. to do? You if could you do it. Take care of your kids, and you got a girl. Yeah, most people at work, and, and you getting cussed out because you you got caught 
slide into Brittany Renner's DMs. You're not going to have a bunch of good days when you trade back to back. You can do two, tra- two trades a week. Hey, y'all. Shout out to Shaq. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably some basketball chat, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a business. It was a yeah for basketball. Of course, was See, a, auditioning, up. auditioning. Earners, what's going on? Listen, EYLU is relaunching, revamping, retooling. That's right. We're creating a new educational experience that's more expensive. Charlie, tell me what we got. Yes, 2023. We got a lot in store, a lot planned for you guys. So you know that EYLU already includes monthly financial planning calls with me, book club calls with Troy real estate calls with MG the mortgage guy, access to the home buying blueprint, volume one and volume two. Part of the revamp will include 27 local chapters from across the United States, live interactive teaching, hands-on, not just pre-recorded videos, plus 15 brand new curriculums. The biggest just got bigger. Head over to EYLUniversity.com. That's E-Y-L-U-N-I-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y dot com. See you there. I don't want no smoke with Shaq. Nah. Yeah. Shout out to Shaq. So I kick you with his feet. Uh, <laughs> craziest what, feet what was, I've ever seen. What's, what's the most influential factor that led to you becoming a successful trader and how did it develop your trading strategy? Um... That's a great question. Uh, most influential factor was just seeing the freedom behind it. But um, the most inspiring thing was like the first time, like I went to the Chicago's exchange and I was like, hey, like how many contracts can you trade? And it was like as many as you want to. So I'm thinking one contract, 10. And then I would like, at that time, I saw somebody trade 80 contracts on a Russell. Um, and he had me like $46,000 in like four or five minutes. And I was like, what I didn't even know this kind of money was available. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is the future? And what are contracts? But when I saw the money, and it was like same lessons. But if you're disciplined, you can determine how much money you want to make. And I just, you know, when you see an entrepreneur so, like Kaiser Sose, we talking about him yesterday. When you have a joy for something, and they had a big win elsewhere, and you can't help but to get expired, inspired. When I saw that, I'm like, okay, if I can get this down, I literally never have to talk to anyone be able to make money on demand the rest of my life now trading is a hard journey a lot of losses before you get good it breaks your spirit you almost want to quit every other week like one week you're like i man, i can tell god what to do and then god be like be humble then you lose twenty two thousand. but yeah. the thing that helped me on the journey is like understanding other fields like i was watching last dance every day last week same thing shot selection running the same system like with that triangle offense you can argue the triangle wasn't even the best for that team, but out that triangle, they're able to counter the moves and in futures trading and in trading in general, you're really countering the mistakes of other people mm-hmm. and using them. So when people overtrade, I undertrade. When people are extremely afraid, when we're drawn down 2%, 3%, that's the time when I'm looking to either get in short to ride the market down or to go long. So it's a lot of counter. Same with Floyd. It's a lot of defense going back to, Defense wins championships. When Paul Tudor Jones made all that money in 87, he was countering what everyone else was doing at that time. So knowing how to be a contrarian and being right um, is key. What do you think about this? Because you've been trading a long time. Um, the amount of people that are now in trading and mm-hmm. being able to bounce ideas mm-hmm. and sharing wins, but also sharing losses. Because yeah. there was a time when people didn't talk about the things that they were trading, yeah, right? And so, like, over the past three or four years, we've seen the, the conversation change. Obviously, Ring of Legion has helped, 
uh, Market Mondays has helped that. But what what is that like for you now? To to share them? Yeah. When people share them with me? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing because I don't have anyone to bounce those ideas off. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like um, like when I was able to bounce the ideas off of art and then Suresh, Monique, Danielle, Ty, my accountability partners, that was all I had. Even when I would bring it up in 2014, people were like, what the hell are you talking about? I don't even know what features are. And then and then the thought was like, oh, you're going to be great at this when I never even heard of it. So that gave me a lot of motivation to just like stay with it. But like, I love when people are like, hey, I didn't know what features was two years ago. And now I'm making $1,000 in a day or $3,000 in a day. And then they'll share the $4,000 loss they had, but then make it up with a $15,000 win. I'm like, man, I promise you I'm going to be disciplined. I'm like, when I check with you next, mm-hmm. let me see your report. So, yeah, I think part of that, that, that makes it more encouraging. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, even like if it was Trap or it was you yeah. or even like Shadi and Bam, like, we were all, we're all doing it. Yeah. And so, saying like, hey, I made this mistake, but the more gratifying thing is saying, hey, you're looking at that too? Yeah. Oh, I was looking at that. Yeah. It's more of that confirmation that, all right, we're all looking at the same target. Mm-hmm. There's something here. That's how you know it really works. Because when they hit me and be like, what you think this is going to go to? If it doesn't work, if I get him a loss, he's going to come on him like, nah, I ain't jacking that. I lost 29000 Listen to that dumb shit you was talking about. He hasn't done it. Selection is key. And especially like when you have a bunch of like-minded people that all do it, you should see the same entries and the same exits. You should see it. Like when you came on, what was that last year? Like tech getting too hot. And I started looking, I'm like, yeah, the PE ratio is like 150, 122. I'm like, we have to come down. And slowly, Oops. we saw that you trickle down. No money's coming in. That was a roller coaster going down. Mm-hmm. Dropped 30% in the NASDAQ. Yeah. yeah, that was a lesson. Yeah. So let's talk about some risk mitigation. How do you approach risk management in your trading? And what strategies do you employ to mitigate potential losses man as soon as i get in profit as soon as i'm up like eight percent i'm locking in two percent of profit it sucks to do because you can make a lot more money not locking in profit fast but those down days when you're down 20 percent, 30 percent i'll rather i'll take up two percent to me it's like a layup if i can get a tip back layup and just get an easy two opposed to like the amazing 28 foot three Defense is better because, like, if you get nine of those, you're still up 18%. And then I know after, usually around 10 trades, like, I'll hit my big win around my 10th trade. Um, that's one way. Only trade Mondays and Fridays. Only trade in the open or London session. Once that hour hits, I'm out of the market. And then literally, like, staying underneath 60 trades on a year. Stop losses? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, NASDAQ, my stop loss maximum would be 100 ticks. ES is normally 16 or 20 ticks. Um, but yeah, stop loss every time. Stop it's, loss every time. Charlie's a risk mitigation. Defense is everything. He's all, I would say, I mean, for the average or the beginner investor. He has the greatest get, mitigation get, get, I've ever get your, seen. Get your initial investment. Yeah. Right? So if yeah. I put in $1,000 and my investment went up to two, I could take out the one. Yeah. And now I'm and locking that profit. And locking the profit. You never lose when you take money. Yeah. Yeah. And for those of you that have smaller accounts, it may not be fun to do this, but most the thing that knocks out most beginner investors is losing too big that first time and you never get back in. Yeah, it's not fun to have a thousand in and you make two hundred. What is fun to see? I made two hundred, one fifty, two twenty, one eighty, four hundred. Now you get confidence and now you're like, Oh, I'm gonna let this one run. Now a thousand turns into twenty five hundred. Or, or like on NVIDIA, 10,000 turned to 
80,000 for some of you, and now you have a life-changing win. But if you don't, it's like not having a stop loss and not mitigating risk is like driving a Ferrari on an Autobahn with no brakes. Or, <laughs> or, <laughs> no, wait, we, come on. What's shot? Have, having, having risk mitigation is extremely important. Mm-hmm. Yes. Let's just say that. I want to say anytime you say something is extremely important, mm-hmm. it's really important. It is. <laughs> yeah. So listen up. Might be, we might, we might not want to say that example. I'll save that example. You want to say it for another time? Bonus hour. Yeah, that's the oh, bonus okay, hour. Okay, gotcha. okay, okay. Bonus hour, ladies yes. and gentlemen. All right. This was a jam-packed episode. We did not talk a lot at the beginning. I know you guys appreciate that. Can we do shout outs at the end? Shout out Matt Hoffa, Steve Harvey. Sponsor the shout outs. That is a fact. That is a fact, ladies and gentlemen. We are on our European world tour. I wish we can announce what we got planned for next year. Uh, We got some big things. Baby. Big, big things. They can't do what we do. Along the line. And uh, yeah, we got some some big plans. Big, big plans. Um, yeah, Yeah, for sure. Well, check out Simba's episode tomorrow. Yes. Shout out to my guy, Simba. Appreciate you. Yeah. And congratulations to 19 Keys on a successful tour. Yes. Um, yeah, dope. That's very dope that what he did. So you know what tomorrow is? Shout out to him. What's up? It's my daughter's birthday. Oh, my God. Cash Happy. app time. Happy yeah. birthday, Queen. Jordan, Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. 12 yeah. years ago, I became a father. That's amazing. You never forget that moment. No, never. never. forget that day. Uh, it was The pregnancy was a journey. Was Bed it? rest for four months. Wow. Yeah. You know, she was uh, pre-labor in January, but made it to June 27th. So happy birthday. Daddy loves you. Yeah, Uncle Rashad loves you. loves you. Uncle Ian loves you. Yes, Everybody loves you, my baby girl. And when you open that card tomorrow, we got a big surprise for you. Yes. Big, big. Yeah. Like big. Yeah, happy happy birthday to school so she can flex or no? <laughs> school done. School done. She got to oh, take it to camp. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy birthday for sure. For sure. Um, now, you know, y'all be doing private tutoring around the world, you know? <laughs> and I'll see you on the helicopter, you know what I mean? Learn how to code. <laughs> yeah. Out, Xander, baby, I love you. I appreciate you. You mean the world to me. Risk $1 to make 11. Risk to reward ratio is key. Um, minimum number of trades. Be a good person. And record every trade that you take. Yeah. And hey, help your performance. This marks the last episode of the second quarter. Wow, okay. All right, that's that time, fast. Yeah, Crazy. Time is Think about that. Time's flying. Yeah. Get your tickets to Invest Fest, ladies yes. and gentlemen. We got some surprises. We got some surprises that we will be announcing soon, but uh, anticipation is building. Did he bring Pharrell so you can do the D, <laughs> I, D, the D, the Y? Shout, Shout out Pharrell. Pharrell cooking, yo. Shout out to Pharrell. Congratulations. Louis Vuitton fashion show. Rihanna's in there, yeah. Shout, shout, out, to, shout out to um, Pharrell, man. Definitely killing the game right now. All right, guys. Implement the information. Yes. Go out there and make some money, and we will see you next week. Yes. Peace. Peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.